If you got it, you don't need it. If you need it, you don't got it. You don't get it. Shame on you. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Anybody have that album? Yeah, me neither. The Dean Martin uh, flashback uh, a couple of years, maybe. Uh, and uh, but I think he had it right. It is funny what money can do, right? Um, if it, it, it's one of those topics that uh, that seems to be uncomfortable to talk about, but when we get it wrong, it can really mess things up. So uh, maybe let me ask a question. Um, Get a show of hands for those of you that are here, maybe online, you can give us a thumbs up if this is you. How many of you would say that at some point in your life, you have experienced financial stress? Anybody? Anyone? I see that hand. I see that hand all over the room, all over the room. I see, and online, I see in your living rooms and... the point is, I think we're all in the same boat, right? We're going to dive into this together. At some point, I think uh, uh, financial stress is normal these days, right? Uh, almost everyone you come in contact with has either dealt with it or is dealing with it. Uh, uh, today, living paycheck to paycheck is normal. Uh, having monthly payments is normal. Debt is normal. Worry, anxiety, and fear over financial issues is is very normal. Um, having tension in your relationships caused by money stuff is normal. Having little to no financial margin seems to be pretty normal. Now, those are just a few reasons why you and I should not want to be normal. Uh, Normal isn't working. Uh, Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's good or right. Romans 12.2 says that we should not become so well adjusted to our culture that we fit into it without even thinking. In other words, don't be normal. Some of you are doing a real good job not being normal. I mean, just, I'm just saying that right off the top. Take that for what it, what it needs to be. No, it is, it is normal to not have margin in this fast-paced life, right? Uh, we've we've uh, talked about it in our schedules. It's, it's normal to have a hectic schedule, uh, but it's not best. It's, in the, this day and age, it's, it's normal to be stretched financially, but it's not best. We have to develop financial Margin, and so we've been talking for several weeks now about uh, uh, living our lives with margin. And uh, we've mentioned uh, this book uh, d- by Dr. Richard Swinson uh, called Margin. There's an updated version. I've got the old one here. It's uh, been around a long time, and yet I think more than ever we still uh, need to uh, apply some of these things. So. Uh, the, these these messages uh, uh, are sprinkled with some of the same truths that are in that in that book. Our working definition of margin has has been this, the amount that we have beyond what is necessary, right? The difference beha- between what we have and what we need. There's a buffer there or or a margin. It's the room left over at the end of the page, uh, time in the day, money in the bank. Uh, the healthy thing is to not need more than you have, right? Or, or at least uh, not just to break even, but to have more than what you need. Unfortunately, when it comes to finances, uh, many people aren't just going to the edge of the page, they're going well over the edge of the page, right? Uh, uh, not only does, does that get us into financial messes, but it can cause stress and anxiety and it keeps us from being available to God. As he guides us in how to use our finances, uh, sometimes we've, we've gotten ourselves in such a position that we simply can't follow what he wants us to do. 
So today, maybe you have this all figured out. I, I hope that you do. Uh, maybe your finances are in great shape, uh, but but I know that that's probably the exception, not the rule. So so I guess the question we need to have going in the back of our minds is, what would it take for us to be able, for you to be able to create financial margin in your life? What What would it take? Because this is important. We need to ask that question because it's not just about having money for what you want and what you need. It's actually a pretty significant spiritual issue. With margin in your finances, money that you have beyond what is necessary, you can be generous and you can put, uh, you can cut down on your stress and anxiety and, and you can be obedient to God. Scripture is, is chock full of uh, principles uh, about our finances. This, this area of our life, this thing that we're always uncomfortable to talk about, uh, that, that maybe we get offended when the, when the preacher preaches about it, uh, it's actually one of the most mentioned topics in the Bible. Uh, because God knew that this was going to be hard for us. And so uh, one of my favorite passages, and there are tons of them, but one of my favorite uh, is, uh, comes from uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to his protege, first letter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, and beginning in verse 6, verses 6 through 10. It'll be up here on the screen, but you've, if you've got your own Bible or device, I'd encourage you to, to look it up there as well. It says this in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Almost every morning, I uh, I flip on the, uh, the 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 TV to get the headlines while I'm getting ready, while I'm making my bed. If you read the uh, blog post from a week or two ago, uh, and 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 I've just got it on in the background, kind of listening to what's going on, and it's been kind of low news these these past few weeks. There hasn't really been a whole lot going on, but um, just kidding. Uh, anyway, the. Uh, I turn it on and usually there's a commercial and it's almost always the same commercial that comes on. I don't even know what it's for, uh, except that it's some financial investment group. And, uh, and, but, and the last part of the commercial, and again, it's just uh, kind of subconscious in the back of my head, but, but I, I read that passage this week. Uh, godliness with contentment is great gain and immediately came to my mind, uh, uh that this, this commercial, cause at the end they, they want you to call a phone, uh, call a, call a number and, and you're going to call into this financial place. And I believe the number is, if it's stuck in my head the way it's supposed to, one 800 gains for you. 1-800 gains for Now that's not a commercial. Please don't call that. I have no idea what what you're going to get if you call 1-800 gains for you. Uh but but we want gains and 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 maybe we do that in the uh, in the weight room, right? We got to have the gains. Uh but but even more in our finances, I think we we want to gain. And, uh, and, and we want that, we want that, uh, you know, graph to go up and we want our, our wealth to grow up, go up. We want, uh, we, we want to, want to keep making progress. In this passage though, it says that, that contentment, not financial success, is what brings great gains. Great gain. On, on the flip side, uh, Paul says here that, that when we live discontented lives, it's not gain. He actually describes it this way as, as ruin and destruction. He says it's evil. He says that it ends up uh, taking us so that we're wandering from the faith and we end up with many griefs. And so we say, well, uh, but 
financial margin, doesn't that mean that I need to get more so I can have financial margin? I mean, isn't, isn't getting rich what will make me content? Well, not really. Um, if you uh, have, have read anything about uh, John D. Rockefeller, you know that, uh, that he was an oil and gas tycoon in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, at the peak of his wealth, they say that he personally had a net worth of 1% of the entire United States economy. This one guy uh, had 1% of the whole economy. Someone once asked Rockefeller uh, toward the end of his life, how much money was enough? And his famous answer was, just a little bit more. The wealth didn't pr- pr- produce it for John D. Rockefeller. Uh, we shake our heads at that, but the, the truth is that, that, I mean, if we really look at it globally, you and I are, are, uh, are, are kind of rich too. I mean, if you just look at the numbers, um, if, if you earn at least $37,000 a year, you are in the top 4% of wage earners in the world. Uh, statistics show that there are around uh, 200 countries in the world, and Americans annually spend more on trash bags than the gross national product of half of them. Uh, we spend more on eating out in a typical year. Well, maybe not in a corona year, but in a typical year, we spend more on eating out than the gross national product of almost all of the other countries in the world. Uh, we, are, we are blessed, and in that sense, we could say we are rich. So the, the truth of the matter is not that there's a, uh, is that there is a good chance that we do have financial margin or the potential for financial margin. We've just chosen to use it up. And and it's usually because of this issue of being content or not. We're not content. Pastor Craig Groeschel at Life Church in in Oklahoma City says that that uh, quote we have lifestyled our way straight past margin. It's an income. It's not an income problem. It's a lifestyle problem. Wealth is not really the issue, although wealth can be dangerous. Uh, uh, the, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, but, but, but ultimately, ultimately, it's not the wealth, it's the wanting, right? It's the desire, it's the lack of contentment. Margin, however, leads us to be content, not always wanting more. Hebrews 13.5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Did your car or your house or your bank account ever say to you, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you? Probably not. Instead, Paul told Timothy that, that many of those things, the things that we seek after, the things that we, uh, the, the money that we have or the things that we purchase with, with the money, it can very well bring temptation, uh, foolish and harmful desires, ruin and destruction. Lack of financial margin can actually lead us away from God and leave us with a life of regrets. So, How do we create financial margin in the middle of this amazingly uh, tempting and complex financial world? Because it's not just about we need to get more and invest well so that we've got more, so now we've got a buffer. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, and and, and that's maybe part of this, but it's it's all about what we're putting our hope in and, and our contentment, and that's where that financial margin comes from. Because, and and here's the first thing today, it's a spiritual issue. 
we have to realize that this is not a financial issue. I mean, certainly there are financial principles that come into play and you should listen to people like Dave Ramsey or, or Crown Financial Ministries or all the other, you can get so many resources these days to, to, to guide you in how to, how to uh, be wise in your finances. I mean, you need to make a budget, you need to use the debt snowball, all the things, right? Uh, but, but this is not a financial issue and it's not just a lifestyle issue, it's a spiritual issue. Issue. The first step toward financial margin in our lives is to recognize that it's not our money. It's not your money. Say with me, it's not my money. One, two, three. It's not my money. Those of you online, I didn't hear you. Okay. Uh, it's, it's not your money. All you have is God's gift to you. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. It's God's money, it's not yours. Everything you have is God's, it's not yours. And you're just managing it. It kind of puts a different spin on things once you acknowledge that. Uh, I mean, I might manage God's money a whole lot differently than I would manage my money. So how are you doing lately at managing God's money? Money is a, is a spiritual issue, and it's, it's powerful. Jesus said that, that money is one of the main things that contributes, uh, that, or that contributes, that competes with, uh, with God in our lives. Uh, he, he said that our hearts stay with what we treasure, and so it's tempting uh, to, to, to treasure money and all that it can buy, and we want more. And yet, in, uh, in his book, Dr. Richard Swinson writes, nothing in Scripture and in the chosen lifestyle of Christ could be clearer. Wealth is not an objective of the spiritual life. The very next verse in, in 1 Timothy, we read verses uh, 6 through 10, and if you were following along in, in, uh, in your Bible or uh, on your device, you probably had a little uh, chapter heading or a, uh, a section heading there after verse 10, before verse 11. But, uh, but verse 11, I think, ties right in with the passage that, that we read. Um, uh, it says in 1 Timothy 6, 11, but you, man of God, flee from all this. And what should we pursue? Uh, He tells Timothy he needs to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursuing wealth is not the objective. Timothy, as a man of God, was encouraged to pursue God with his life, not wealth. Are you running away from the pull of money and putting your faith and trust in God? Lack of financial margin is not a financial issue. It's a spiritual issue. We have to, have to settle that first before we go anywhere else with pointers and tips and, and, uh, and principles to, to apply to our financial lives and all those things are great. But first and foremost, as God's people, as, uh, as, as people living in the kingdom of God, we have to recognize that God is first and foremost and it's his money, not yours. And once you have God as the number one focus in your life and in your money, in your finances, if that governs everything that you do, that, that everything that you have and all that you are is God's, that you are not your own, uh, that you need to honor God with, with, uh, with who we are and what we have, once that's settled, then there's, uh, there, there's, it can be pretty simple. And I heard it described this way years ago, and, and I just continue to come back to it time and time again. There's just three things that we do then with our finances, how we can organize things. We give, we save, and we live on the rest. The first is to give. Scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
If you've ever had the joy of, of giving something to someone, then you know exactly what that feels like. It's, it's true on Christmas morning when you can give your children what they've been longing for, right? Or, or uh, when the, the missionary comes to church and, and presents a need and, and you can give out of, uh, out of your margin in order to help out. Or, or when, uh, when, when you hear of a need of someone, someone in the community and you can, you can do something to help or, or uh, whatever the case might be, you, you know the blessing that you receive when you give when you can be generous. And if you don't have the margin to be able to give, then then you're not only not available to be obedient to God's direction in that, but you're also robbing yourself of the joy and the blessing of being a part of what God's doing. I just heard uh, this week about a pastor... um, Actually, it's uh, Eugene Peterson. So uh, he passed away just a couple of years ago. Uh, and he's the one that that, uh, that that translated the paraphrase of the Bible, the message, along with a whole lot of other things. Eugene Peterson heard an, uh, uh, an interview for, of him years ago uh, when he was talking about uh, it, his, his younger days in the pastorate. And he said he was discipling a, a young man who had gone down wrong paths in his life, but through a, a, a lot of events was now turning his life over to Jesus. And, and so uh, Peterson was meeting with this man, and the man told the pastor that when he'd been in jail, uh, some Christians had come through and handed out tracts, pamphlets about a whole lot of things about the spiritual life, and it kind of gotten him thinking. But one of those, one of those pamphlets uh, said, uh, said something about all of the importance of giving, and this young man said, I, it, it, I didn't quite understand it. Can, you, it. can you explain it to me? It's all about this thing called a tithy. I don't know what, what in the world a tithy is, but, uh, but, but please tell me, what is a tithy and how can I give one? And so Peterson uh, explained to him the, the biblical principle of tithing, where, and maybe you don't know what that is, where, uh, and it's a tithe, not a tithy, but uh, you, you take 10% of what you make and you give it to God through a church you believe in. It's not giving to the church to pay the bills. It's giving to God through the church, and he uses it to build his kingdom through the ministries of that church. Remember, go back to number one. It's all his anyway. He's just asking for uh, for 10% of it. Keep 90%. He's just asking for 10% back. It's a, it's a tithy, okay? 10%. And the most common response to a challenge to tithe is usually, but pastor, uh, but God, I can't afford to tithe. To which I would say, if that's uh, your initial response, your initial pushback, I would say you can't afford not to tithe. Uh, it, it builds your faith. It's one of the most practical and tangible ways that we put God first in our lives. When we make our plans, uh, we, we, we get what only we can do. When we, when we arrange our finances based on a human principles, we get what humans can do, right? But when we rearrange our lives, uh, our budget, our, uh, everything in our lives around God and his principles, and we depend on him, then we get what only God can do. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I, I've done it too many times, and I know that I'm not trustworthy enough, and I want what only God can do in my life. And that's true in the area of finances as well. Giving part of his blessings back to him is one way that we allow him to work in mighty ways in our lives where he gets all the credit. 
And I, I get it, there's, you know, you, you may be maxed out and, and you say, I can't go home and just carve out 10% off the top of my finances. I've got these creditors to pay and I've got this and I've gotten myself into here and, and I've got to pay that. Well, we'll work on it. Make it a, I mean, it's January. We're making goals and resolutions, right? Well, make it a goal that you're going to work on and maybe you start with 1% or 2%. You do something and over time, maybe by the end of, of, uh, of winter or by uh, July or, or by the end of the year, you'll be working yourself up and, and paying things off so that you can put God first in your finances, so that you can give a tithing. Give. Second, the next one is save. And, uh, and to which uh, some people say, well, you shouldn't save. Uh, you just need to trust God. Um, but uh, I would say that it's, uh, it, it, it is wise to save. It's a key part of having financial margin, that this is part of it. We, we, have, uh, we have a buffer. Uh, when you're saving excuse me, when you're saving regularly, then you have margin to absorb the emergencies and the surprises, right? Uh, you've, you've been able to, it's, it's, it's not a, a, a huge deal when something breaks and something will break. Uh, it's not a, not a, a life-changing situation when, when you've got to get this new thing because that one doesn't work anymore. Uh, you have the ability to give more than uh, just your tithe because, uh, because as God leads and you can give to more needs and, and help more people because you didn't spend everything that you earned. You save, you give, you save. But in saying that, I also realize that this is kind of a slippery slope because saving can quickly bring us to a place of relying on our savings instead of relying on God, right? It's, it's possible to actually reduce our margin by saving because we're putting all of that savings in uh, and we're saying, well, okay, well, this is, uh, I'm, I'm, all my hope is in what I've been able to sock away. I mean, saving is a great financial practice, but, but we can't see it as our safety net or, or as what we put our hope in. 1 Timothy 6, a few verses later, uh, in verse 17, it says that rich people should, quote, not be arrogant or put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Certainly, we need to save, to plan ahead, to be wise, but not so much that our hope is in our savings instead of in God. So we give, we save, and then the last one is live on the rest. Well, that uh, that sounds like fun. Uh, I mean, even in that verse we just read, it says uh, God providing everything for what? Well, for our enjoyment. God doesn't want us to to just be, uh, you know, uh, strapped financially and we can't do anything. Uh, he says live, live on the rest. And and uh, we give to God off the top, we, we save for later, and then we use the rest for what we need and what we want. And it sounds awesome, except that most of most people get hung up right here because because we end up living on more than the rest, right? This is the rest, but we try to stretch that even further. And, and if that's you, there, there's really two options. Um, if we're just getting down to the mathematics of it all, there's really two options. If you, if, you, uh, uh, if you have less than what you think you need, then you can either make more or spend less, right? Those are your two options. You either make more or you spend less. Uh, uh, the problem is with one of those options, uh, making more, uh, that, that might involve working more hours, more time away from, from home, uh, adding a second job. It might then, we could reverse back to last week, and, and uh, all of that could infringe on the time margin that, uh, that, that we talked about. And, and so maybe that's not the best option in the world. Many times we need to accept what our means are 
and then, I don't know, be, be content maybe? I think I've heard that. I think I read that somewhere in the Bible that we should be content with what we have, that godliness with contentment is great gain. Living below your means helps you gain the things that matter most, things in the margins. I, I, you know, I can't specifically uh, tell you today personally how to reorganize your finances so it fits all this. Uh, in the book, uh, in this chapter on, on finances, Dr. Swinson lists 16 different things, uh, suggestions, things that might apply. If you grab that book and flip through that, some of those things might be helpful. Just a, a few of them here this morning. Um, uh, one is make a budget. We, uh, we should know where our, where our money's going. We should name it before it comes in so that we know where to go. And we, we tell our money uh, what it's going to do instead of uh, the other way around. And so we make a plan and then we follow the plan. Another thing uh, uh, that's important is to evaluate your expenses and cut where you can. A whole lot of things, I don't know if I'm the only one, but there's a whole lot of times at the end of the month, I look back and go, well, where'd all that go? What, what did I spend that on? Well, I didn't know that. I, and, and keeping track of those things is, is important. We need to be responsible in, in, in keeping track of what we've spent and where we spend it. And once we do that, then we can say, oh, you know what? I probably shouldn't have, uh, you know, spent uh, $500 on ice cream this month. And so maybe I should, maybe I could cut back a little bit. You know, maybe that's, I see that hand. No, I'm just kidding. Um, here's a novel concept. Save up and pay cash. Um, we, we don't just need it right now. And I guess that goes with the next one too. Delay gratification, uh, cut back on impulse buying. I mean, th- this stuff isn't, isn't, uh, necessarily scripture. It's just wise. Uh, you're going to buy a big old thing, uh, go home and sleep on it first. Uh, run the numbers first. Don't get caught up in the emotion of the moment. Uh, and, uh, and don't, uh, don't, uh, don't, don't just think, oh, I've got to have that. And, and then just dive in right then. Another thing that's, uh, that maybe we don't think about much, uh, Swenson spends a little bit of time on this. He says, lend and borrow things. He says it this way, part of the reason we have our love affair with shopping and consumerism is because we think we need to personally own everything we use. This is not true. We need to develop a new depreciation for things and a new appreciation of people. Things are to be used and people are to be served. If we are willing to loan out our things, then others will not need to purchase similar items and they will have more left over to use as financial margin. Interesting concept. Uh, we can see the example in, uh, in the book of Acts in the early church that everything they had was in common. We're not talking about socialism. We're talking about uh, helping each other when we have needs. And, uh, and, and so that's how we should be uh, organizing our lives financially. One more, uh, one more uh, thing under this, and that is get out of debt. As Dr. Swenson says, debt is the sworn enemy of margin. What a novel concept, right? Don't buy stuff you cannot afford. Well, I don't want. Maybe I'll just speak personally. But debt is is not necessarily sinful, but it might not be wise. Um, Larry Burkett, um, who founded Crown Financial Ministries used to say this, God does not prohibit borrowing, but he certainly does discourage it. In fact, every biblical reference to it is negative. It's not a margin uh, activity to go into debt. So cut back, live within your means. Don't buy stuff you cannot afford. Uh, Living with financial margin might not be normal, but it's better 
Proverbs 15, 16 says it this way, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Why, why would you live with less? Because there's margin and margin is better. There's margin so that you can give and that's better. Uh, there's margin so that you have a less stress uh, because of debt and things that you owe and that's better. Uh, there's margin uh, so that when something breaks down, you don't, right? Because you have the margin to, uh, to pay for it and that's better. Uh, it, it's better when you have uh, extra and you can pray about how God might want you to use it for his Glory. I mean, I can testify that uh, personally that it's it's better. We haven't always gotten this right, and and uh, we've we've worked real hard for a long time to pay off loans and credit cards, and, and and just let me tell you, on the other side of it, it's better, extremely better. Uh, it, we, there's freedom. There's less stress. There's uh, we can give more. We can support what God leads us to. We can breathe because there's margin. You don't have to experience the many griefs of uh, living a life without financial margin. You don't have to uh, experience the turmoil when you're eager for money and what it can buy. Pursue God, even in your financial life, because it's all His anyway. And then use that simple structure, give, save, live on the rest. 